Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, lovely listeners. It's Dr. Lucy here this week. No Dr. Mary, because I am having a chat, part two, actually, of my chat with one of my inspirations, Dr. Katrina Eubel, and I hope you enjoy this second episode. Sit back and relax. We're conditioned to think certain thoughts about how we manage our emotions, so particularly with you know alcohol at the moment I remember having I had a rubbish day at work there was a very aggressive patient who was you know was all just a bit awful and I have a loveliness and she was very kind but what she said to me is you know what just go home and have a lovely glass of wine and you'll feel better and so this is a what a lot of people think this is the culture and in a lot of ways guess what she's right you will feel better in the short term. You'll feel worse tomorrow morning when you wake up, you know, when you haven't slept well. And when we take actions based on, you know, trying to soothe ourselves in the moment, that's fine for the short term. But in the long run, you end up with other issues. But it is the culture like you deserve it. You deserve this reward. This will make you feel better. So what we're really asking is instead of having the short term reward feeling better in the moment, but feeling worse in the long run, we're asking that you feel worse in the moment (laughs) for a short time so that you can feel better in the long run. And in some ways, it really is a big ask, especially when people do not know what to do with their negative emotions. I find that many people in the way that they were raised, the message was that you shouldn't be emotional, maybe you were punished if you were very emotional, um, especially more negative emotions. You know, what you figured out as a child was that the way to be okay, or to be accepted, the way to to (laughs) adapt to this environment is to control yourself emotionally. So you weren't taught how to deal with your negative emotions as a child. Then who knows what kind of adult experience you've had for doctors, right? It's not appropriate for us professionally to be very emotional, even if something really particularly traumatic is happening. And then we're given no skills to figure out what to do with that. So it just becomes, you know, years of stuffing those emotions, not dealing with it and coming up with other coping mechanisms, which, as you said, can be the overeating, the drinking, but also overworking, spending too much, gambling, pornography addiction. You know, I mean, it can be overexercising. It can be just overing anything, overdoing, <laughs> overing. whatever, the, like overing something to the point where there's a negative net result. So here we are now as full formed adults, and we don't know what to do with ourselves with our emotions. And it makes sense. How would you know? (laughs) Like, if you knew, I'd be so like, that's, tell me everything. Who taught you this? Because most people haven't been taught that. So we have to learn then how to actually process emotions. We have to learn to trust that even a very uncomfortable feeling emotion is temporary And you totally can't, you actually can be with it and you can feel it and you don't need food or alcohol to make it feel better. And this is a skill to be learned. It is. Yeah. So what do you say to your clients who who kind of have, are understanding this concept, but they still can't go to that next level? I mean, it really comes down to 
people getting to the place where they're ready to do this work. I always say this, I'm like, listen, this isn't always very easy. And I I get it. I'm the first to admit that. And someone who's like, listen, I don't want to do that. I think I'd rather just be overweight. I'm like, cool, I get it. I mean, listen, I hear you. <laughs> in a lot of ways, it is easier, you know, at least in the short term. And so I understand that. But I think that there is a subset of people who they really do want to solve this problem. They really do want to create that freedom. And they know that this work is what they need. And those are the people who are going to keep coming back, keep asking questions, trying to figure it out. They're willing to fail and fail again and fail again and fail again, however many times is needed until they can actually get to that place where they want to be. And so I don't think it's something that we can force on people. I don't think you can drag someone along. You cannot make them do it because so much is required on their part for them to do it. Like I, I would love to be able to process your emotions for you, but I cannot do that. It's not yes. possible. So I can teach you how to do it. I can guide you through it. I can help you with that. But you have to be willing to be that partner. Yes. So sometimes I think people come along and they hear a concept and they think that, great, I understand that now and I'm just going to implement it in my life and I'm done. And <laughs> well, what are your thoughts on that idea? Um, I think that if you're a human being with a human brain, this is going to be more like brushing your teeth than getting a tooth pulled. Right. Right. Like this is this is something that you need to do regularly, meaning actually processing your emotions, staying connected with yourself, actually taking really good care of yourself and prioritizing that and committing to that. Because otherwise, it really can become easy to just go back to your old coping habits again. So the idea that your brain will just forget that food ever made you feel better, like unlikely to happen. It's much more likely, like you can get it to quiet down significantly. And, and, you know, you can have some lengthy periods of time where it you really feel a lot of peace. But if you're someone who has used food as a way to feel better, or to avoid feeling your emotions in the past, just because you're living a human life, there will be stressors, there will be things that come up. And if you're not taking good care of yourself, it eventually will result in going back to those habits. So similarly, right, if you are doing this daily dental hygiene, right, taking yes. care of your teeth, you're much less likely to need a root canal later or have some terrible cavity. Whereas, you know, if you just pull the tooth, it's like problem solved, but also you don't have a tooth anymore. So that's kind of like, like what we're talking about with, you know, doing surgery. It's like it feels more permanent, but there's other complications that come, you know, from having done that. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it's really interesting. And I often talk about my Friday afternoons. So I have this concept where I, I feel that I'm sometimes vulnerable to emotional eating. So the majority of my days and weeks are fine. It doesn't even occur to me. It's not even a thing anymore. But Friday afternoons were always, you know, I just would find myself fossicking through the biscuit tin at work thinking, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this as the biscuit, the cookie is going in? And my brain is going, I don't care. Just shut up. Don't listen to yourself. Just stuff them in. And I was able to reflect back and realize that there were a couple of things happening one, Friday was often a fasting day for me. I liked the alliteration of Fasting Friday. And 
it just meant I didn't have to take any lunch to work, so it was easy. And two was that I was the only doctor on Friday afternoons. Everyone else finished early. So my workload was often not in my control, so I felt a little out of control. And the third thing that was really enlightening for me was that the emotion the emotion I thought at the time was just stress. I'm stressed. That stress word just becomes this sort of umbrella term for any emotion that's uncomfortable. But I actually realized when I drilled down that the emotion was resentment. I was resentful that I was the only doctor here, that the others in my head, I've got this story that they're all gallivanting around, having a lovely time. And I'm here, poor me, schlepping away, doing all the hard stuff. And, you know, this is terrible and rah, rah, rah. And so consequently, I deserve the biscuits. And resentment's a feeling we don't talk much about. It's a really, it's a bit like jealousy. It's kind of that nasty sort of emotion. But I find it's a really common trigger to emotionally eat. Is that your experience as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what you described was so perfect, right? Your brain is telling you stories about what the other doctors are doing. Also that you're totally out of control, which, you know, may seem like the truth, but also you could just walk out the door any minute, you know, anytime yes. you want to and put the clothes sign on the door and like, that's it. You have to go see someone else or, uh, you know, you don't have to be there doing that. So that compounded with fasting, which for some people can be a little bit more of a challenging day. I mean, it makes complete sense that you would have more trouble with that. I think that the emotions we're unwilling to discuss or feel or even think about, it can vary, particularly related to the way that we were raised. Some people were really, the message was very strongly, you should never be angry. And so resentfulness in my mind is like a cousin of anger. And so, you know, a lot of people just be eating. They're like, I don't know why I'm eating. They, they don't even, they won't even let themselves identify that resentment is even there. All they know is they need cookies and they need them now. Yes. Yes. And that's what we need to be doing. Right. So what happens when you take away the emotional eating is you find out what's really going on for you in your life. Right. So in your case, you've already been doing all this work, but let's say there's somebody else who's like, yes, me too, in the 10 Friday afternoons every week. It's just consistent. Then what you do is you ask yourself to not eat the cookies so you can actually figure out what's going on for you. What is the problem that cookies are solving? Let's try to figure that out. Right. And then once you find out you're resentful and you find out why, what your thoughts are, and you start being able to go, you know what, like, this, isn't this so interesting? I'm making my experience so much worse, because in my mind, everyone else is having the best time. Yes. You know, their weekend's already started. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for me, right? Like all the all of that, right? And it just it builds and it compounds. It's like that snowball turning into the avalanche. And the only way to stop it is to eat something. Totally. And you know, I think that what people would normally try and do is just white knuckle their way through and go, well, I'm just not going to have them because that seems like the only solution. Or, you know, I'm going to make sure they're not there anymore and that will fix the problem. But that's that thing that you were saying of focusing on the action and not the thought and the feeling. Yeah, it doesn't really solve it. And guess what? You can overeat lots of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to emotionally eat, then anything that's consumable can, I mean, can you emotionally eat carrots? Yes. Yes. Yes, you can. Yes. yes. Yeah. 
So my solution for this particular problem, and again, I <laughs> there's a line that I use that, that I got from you, which is, what's going on for you, Lucy? <laughs> what's happening for you? And that kindness that you talk about, rather than just going, oh, my God, I'm such a friggin' idiot. I just keep eating the biscuits. I've ruined my week. I've been so good all week and now I've stuffed it. And so the kindness that I learned from you was the idea to go, right, this is a tool. Why am I using this tool? And it was, okay, let's not fast on Friday. We don't need to make a day that's potentially challenging more challenging. I actually have control. You're right. I can put up the sign and say I'm closed. And in fact, I did. I brought back instead of working late, I stopped earlier and I'm still actually at the clinic, but I'm finishing paperwork. So I actually finish at a normal time and not a crazy, ridiculous time. And my idea is that I don't need to be resentful because the other doctors have put boundaries around their hours. I could do that if I wanted to, too. I'm choosing to do this. Absolutely. So the whole thing is, so the biscuits just sit yeah. in the tin. Right. And that's what we call emotional responsibility, right? It's so easy for you to blame everybody else. Like you're blaming the patients because like, why do they have to be like, how rude to be coming in late on Friday afternoon? I mean, (laughs) come on, why didn't you call earlier? And, you know, and upset with your partners, like, how dare they, they should be here helping me or, you know, just all of the blaming of outside circumstances and people for the way that you feel. That's emotional childhood, emotional adulthood, emotional responsibility is when you actually take ownership for the way that you're feeling. The way that you're feeling is caused by the way that you're thinking. So even if you're not able to, in the moment, change your thinking, it's always available to you. But sometimes it just feels extra hard. (laughs) You You can at least own the fact that the way you're feeling is caused by the way that you're thinking. And if at any time you would like to change your thinking and feel differently, that is available to you. And it's just ownership. This is me creating this. And if I want to change something, that's up to me. I don't need someone else to, you know, I don't need the patients to not come in. And I don't need the cookies to not be here. And I don't need my partners to decide that they want to come into work in order to feel better. And that's the most empowering place to be. Because you can change your whole experience yourself you don't need anybody to do anything yes the best yeah totally I love that I love that there's another concept that I love that you shared right back at the start of your podcast which was about everyone has a manual for their living (laughs) and that you know people often try and change someone else's manual can you explain that a little bit more because I would love to hear that it's basically just rule books that we have, like imaginary rule rule books that we have for the other people in our lives. And we think that other people should do certain things, that they shouldn't do other things, and they should say certain things, they shouldn't say other things. Like we just have this set of rules about how someone else should live their life, essentially, and how they should act. And we have this really for everybody. We have this for people driving in a car near us, right? They shouldn't cut us off. They shouldn't be honking. They shouldn't, you know, be riding our tail. They shouldn't be, you know, like any of those things. Like we have all these rules for how people should be. If you're standing in the line at the grocery store, like people should be lining up and not cutting in the line. And now with COVID times, you know, people should be giving you the six feet and people should have a mask on and people should, you know, all the, all the rules that we have. 
where we get into trouble. These rules are not a problem until the people that we have rules for don't follow our rules. <laughs> and when we have this rule book, we're like, listen, you're breaking my rules. And now I get to be mad at you. Now I get to be upset about this. Now this gets to be a problem for me. And, you know, we do this with our children. We do this with our you know, people we employ. I mean, this is literally our partners, everybody. This is this is what we do. And when you don't recognize this, then you will often try to get those people to be different. You'll try to either people please them so that they're finally happy, so that they're acting the way you think they should, or, I mean, essentially try to manipulate them, right? Try to get them to be different in some sort of way. Maybe that's by yelling at them, by getting upset with them. Maybe it's by being excessively sweet when you don't really want to be. It's somehow trying to get them to be different so that you can feel better. Yep. And that's very much the long way around <laughs> to feeling better. Because also a lot of the time it doesn't work. The problem is that sometimes it does work. And that's why we keep doing it. You know, we are animals, right? We can be conditioned just like any animal can be conditioned. And when sometimes we do things, and that works, then people do what we want them to do. We get that reinforcement, positive reinforcement, and we'll try to do it again, except it doesn't work all the time. And so what I suggest is that you first figure out what your rules are for people, like understand what it is. And then what I like to offer then is follow those same rules for yourself. Uh-huh. So, right. So for instance, if I think like maybe, you know, that my husband should be doing more help out around the house, maybe I could look out at myself and say, okay, but where are there places where I'm not helping out? Okay. You know, yes. and it's easy to be like, yeah, but I do everything and I do all the things and he doesn't help at all. You know, anytime we're, we're saying nothing and everything and all of that. We're in that all or nothing thinking, which is usually not the case. Of course, there's going to be cases where that is the case. But for the most part, that's not the case. Rather than us working on trying to get other people to be different, we can focus on following those same rules ourselves. And just see if we want to even keep those rules. Sometimes we're like, this is awful. I can't believe I'm expecting this person to be this way. You know? Yes. Or like, you know, if I expect people not to cut me off in traffic, then maybe I could make a point to give people a little bit more space and be a little bit more of a gracious driver to the people who are around me and see what kind of experience that might be. And so it's just softening that idea and letting go of the idea that the way to be happy or the way to feel the way you want to feel is through other people. Yeah, they're neutral. And you have thoughts about them. <laughs> That's yes. what creates your emotions, not them. They don't actually create your emotions. You know what I totally love about that idea, too, is that you actually when you are relying on other people to make you happy, you're giving away your power. Completely. When it's all within you, you're like, easy. And when you are giving away your power, it's really easy to get into a victim villain mentality kind of dynamic, where you're the victim, they're the villain, right? They're the terrible person that we love to hate. And the only way when you're in that dynamic, the only way for the victim to feel better is for the villain to change. And so that's when we go about trying to get people to change. But you know, I mean, think of all the people, oh, well, you can't change anybody, but think of all the people you, there's no possibility of you changing them. For instance, politicians, you yes. know, <laughs> right? Yes. Like people, you have no direct contact with them. Like there's no way that you can directly get them to change. So when you think that they are determining how you feel, 
then it feels terrible for you. So the way to dissolve that dynamic is to take back the power to control how you feel. Other people get to be who they want to be, especially adults. They get to live how they want to live their lives. Then we get to control and manage what we think about it if we want to. This is the thing I always want to make sure is clear. The idea of this is not that you're like a robot and you only think these like very normal feelings, you know, like are very uh, even keel and you're never upset. That's not the point at all. But the point is to recognize that you're in charge of it always. Sometimes we we really do want to hate someone. Sometimes we really do want to be mad about certain injustices in the world or, you know, terrible things happening. Like we want to feel devastated by that. But if you go and eat to stop feeling devastated, that's where we have a problem because you're choosing to feel that way, but then you're unwilling to feel it. Yes. And you're asking food to make it better. Oh, that's the problem there. That is that is gold. I love that. Because you're right. People go, well, I, you know, you just want me to be like a doormat and not feel anything. And it's like, no, I actually want you to be the opposite. Yeah. The more you're willing to feel the negative emotions, the more positive emotions you're actually capable of feeling. The more you dampen and numb your negative emotions and your ability to feel them, the less you'll be able to feel the positive emotions. You'll feel a very narrow kind of uh, <laughs> range of emotions. And then you'll wonder, why am I not happier? Why don't I have joy in my life? What do I need to do to be happier? And then you'll just feel worse about yourself because you're not happy enough. Then you'll use food to feel better. And the cycle continues. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is how we get very confused. Yeah. And the messaging is cloudy because there's vested interest groups wanting us to use their products to feel yeah. happy. I mean, that's advertisement. Yeah. You're not happy enough. If you buy this thing, you will be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And food, it will make you feel better. And as you said, the difficulty is we get this little hit of dopamine initially. So we kind of, we go, yeah, it did feel better. Except that you need more and more and more and more. Exactly. And then, I mean, to get a little technical, then you have such an oversupply of dopamine released in your brain that your brain will reduce the dopamine receptors to try to normalize everything. So then just to feel normal, you need to be consuming so much of this food. Yeah. And then people are like, oh my gosh, like if I take this away, I'm going to feel terrible. You might actually, but only for a couple of weeks while those dopamine receptors repopulate. And then you're like, wait, I think this is a normal way. Like this is how human bodies were meant to function. Our bodies and our brains have just not evolved to keep up with the concentrated pleasure that is around every corner for us in the form of food, alcohol, all the other things you can overdo. Wonderful humans. That's it for this week's episode. We will be continuing our chat next week and I look forward to welcoming you there and hoping you join me again. Have a wonderful week. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay well. Take care. So my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.